the Law of Equivalent Exchange. This is Tim in Tokyo reading Full Metal Alchemist in English, published by Viz. And this is Patrick in Kumamoto reading Hagane no Renkin Jutsushi、uh, in Japanese, in the original by Hiromu Arakawa by Gangan Comics. Yeah, so before we get started,、uh, I wanted to bring up a few things that、uh, Memory Echo has、uh, tweeted, if that's the right word still. Memory Echo being one of our, one of our、uh, longtime listeners. Yeah,、uh, has posted in response to、uh, some of our episodes. So, one issue she brings up is she doesn't understand why Winry is the only person who can service、uh, Ed's auto mail. She says, This is one of the most confusing moments for me. We've been through this before. Back at Briggs, Winry came over, even though there was another engineer there, and now not even Pineco can do the maintenance. Why doesn't Patricia change Ed's auto mail? Other than we need Winry back in the story, I've always wondered why it must be Winry, since there's an auto mail engineer right there at Briggs, and it's a life or death situation for Ed.、Uh, so, yeah, it's a good question. Any theories? Well, I mean, if Pinaco is saying that, then it means that, like, Winry has developed her own specific ways of making automail or ways of connecting it or ways of、uh, getting, you know, the automail to do what it's supposed to do.、Uh, so that's the only thing I can think of is it proprietary technology is <laughs> that she's,、uh, she's、mm. figured out her own system and isn't sharing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, since automail is fictional, we don't really or can't really know exactly what's involved in it. And apparently, there aren't so many standards involved. It's like, de- really depends on the engineer. Right.、Hmm. I mean, Ed himself needs a very special kind of automail. It's not enough for him to just be able to use his hand and arm. As a, a normal person would, you know, but、uh, when I say normal, I just mean like a person who is not an al- alchemist. Yeah. <laughs> but well,、uh, so, yeah, he doesn't buy his automail off the rack, I guess. It's custom that's right, made. Because he needs to be able to do alchemy and fight, <laughs> you know.、Uh, and he needs、uh, his automail also has, like, he needs to be able to. Alchemize it, you know, like kind of transform it into different stuff. So,、mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's, which I think he could probably do with any auto mail, but, you know, it's just his,、uh, his needs are different than the average auto mail user. So, you know, maybe、uh, Windry has had enough experience with Ed that she's had to. Develop special techniques and special ways. And so maybe she's the only one that can do it like he likes it or like he needs it.、Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, yeah, Memory Echo also brings up, I think this is a couple chapters back, maybe 85,、uh, where、uh, Hohenheim is so moved and he's crying, and Ed, it becomes a humor moment, and Ed just kind of Makes a joke and gets out of there. And Memory Echo says, This is probably one of the few times that I disagree with the use of humor. We know that Ed freaks out when people start crying in front of him, but I prefer what Brotherhood did in the scene. And she attached the, a, a little video a clip from Brotherhood where it's changed to be you know, a more, more the scene you would expect it to be. More of you know, a sad, moving scene, and, and Ed's reaction isn't so clownish. Well, and also kind of gives you, gives you a little bit of background as to why he reacted this way when we haven't seen him be very emotional at, up until this point, Hohenheim, I mean.、Mm. And so it, it gives a little bit of context in that. So I. Kind of have to agree with、uh, Memory Echo on this point that、um, it was a, a moment that we could have used in the comic.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was, it was a little jarring. I was surprised that it, that it went the direction it did in the manga. I wonder if Arakawa herself is somewhat like Ed and that, you know, those kind of heavy emotional beats, 
you know, maybe she's a little bit uh, like shy about it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, like, so that, I mean, that's usually what in real life, that's usually like what we will use humor for is because we're insecure about an emotional moment. We'll make a joke out of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've done that tons of times to try to kind of avoid the reality that I'm in an uncomfortable situation. Uh, my daughter had just, I heard her telling her tutor the other day that uh, when it gets awkward at home, she wants to make a joke and she doesn't like awkward silences. And mm. I, I don't either. <laughs> I don't either. So. Mm. So we'd like to hear from the rest of you too uh, on X slash Twitter. We're at L O E E podcast, or, you know, there's contact information at the end of every episode, our email address, which I've forgotten off the top of my head, but you'll hear it at the end <laughs> of the show. So please use it. Tell us what you think of it. Well, yeah. What you think of us. Good or bad. Uh, so we're on chapter 87, an oath made in the underground. And there's no kind of cold open for this one. It starts out with a title page of uh, Selim Bradley, or we see half of him. It's, he's cut off by the panel border. And then we see the pride, big slanty eyes and teeth behind him. And then we're in Central, I believe. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or near there, anyway. Um, we're in the bar with now she's oh, Madam Christmas. Uh, we've seen her before. Um, all I was able to locate was her first appearance, which was chapter 62. Mm. Um, but that was a pretty brief appearance. I was thinking we'd seen her again, but I'm not sure what chapter that was. Uh, but, uh, She's saying, you were right, Roy. Selim Bradley isn't a normal human being at all. And she's got a big envelope. I, oh, it has these photos in it that she's passing to Mustang, who's right there. Uh, and they're photos of from 10, 20, 30, 50 years in the past. And Selim Bradley is in all of them. So pretty conclusive that he's not a kid. <laughs> he's just right. kind of disguised as one. But he didn't try to, like, for some reason, he's really attached to that particular form, you know? Like, he's, in some ways, a shapeshifter, but in some ways, he's, apparently, he's not. Like, he's really attached to that little kid form, whether it gives him special access or what it is, but he's, you know... Yeah, it makes him seem unassuming, and as we see later on... Uh, if if he's attacked, then people, you know, bystanders, will think, oh, a child's being attacked, and they'll freak out. Mm. Um, so I think it, it gives him a lot of safety, because uh, he seems so unassuming. Yeah, and uh, obviously, like, not at all interested in other relationships, you know? Mm-hmm. Like uh, the the theme of the eternal child, the immortal child shows up in vampire movies all the time. And one of their big, and it showed up in the Eternals, the Marvel movie. Mm -hmm. And one of the big difficulties is that as they can't grow up, even though they're really old, uh, they can't have a mature emotional relationship with, uh, with people because they're looked as, at as children. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, I kind of remember that. That movie had so many characters, it's all become kind of a jumble in my brain now. (laughs) Um, And Madam Christmas has been looking into Bradley also, and there are documents that verify he was born and raised in the hometown that he says, but he says none of the town's elderly had ever seen or heard of the Bradley family during that time, I guess, when he was supposedly a kid. Right, right, right. So the address was a dummy. There aren't any family members. Uh, so where did he come from? Just like Cotton Eye Joe. Where did you come from? Where did you go? <laughs> where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and they, they're they talking about, uh, I mean, wouldn't like medical examinations have turned up that Selim was a homunculus, but uh, they probably had... Uh, 
their own doctors who could do that kind of stuff and just write up a fake medical report so it would look like he was just a normal kid. Right. And so outside the bar, there are some really suspicious-looking characters. You know, the, the cigarettes are a dead giveaway. You know, the guy's <laughs> smoking. That must mean he's a bad guy. And he's got kind of but, a... But a, Madam Christmas is smoking. nose. That's true. Uh, and the guy's nose also, the guy on the right... That's a a thug nose. I I would I would say it's the facial hair. The guy looks like Odd Job, a little bit. He's got these Odd little job. mustache. Odd Job from James Bond. Okay. I don't know. He's just got this. This guy on the left looks like Putin. <laughs> In... I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess. Kind of Putin with a with a hat on. Which I, I don't need think to I've see him with seen. his. I need to see him with his shirt off. <laughs> yeah, Make then a, we'd be able to see the resemblance. Yeah, not even riding a horse. So, so they're they're talking about how Mustang's been in there so long. He's always fooling around with his women. But then a third guy shows up. He says he's found out that Madam Christmas's real name is Chris Mustang. She's Chris Colonel. Mus. That's kind of you know, <laughs> Colonel Mustang's adoptive mother. So they break into the bar, nobody's there, and then we see a hand holding a button that is being pressed by the thumb, and uh, the bar explodes with these guys Mm. in it. The button was pressed by Mustang. He and Madam Christmas are now down in the sewer area, Uh, and she's saying, oh, my poor bar. Oh, she calls it her castle in Japanese. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. You know, metaphorically, of course. Mm-hmm. And he offers to buy her a new place, but she says she's going to be hiding out for a while. She doesn't need another place. Uh, her girls, she sent them out to escape a long time ago. They're probably in another country by now. I like the the I like the sound effect here. It's boof. Hmm, uh, almost the same not, in English. Not the explosion. Yeah, the explosion is dome, but the uh, the. The like far the, shot the, of it. The smoke. Yeah, yeah, the smoke and... Yeah, it's boof in boof. English. <laughs> Almost the same. But then you have like... Uh, you've got like an aftershock of Zazun, right? And then you have mm-hmm. uh, little bits falling through the hole in the sewer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, clink, tink. Mm. So they part ways. Um, and she says, you can repay me when you're more successful. I'll look forward to it, Roy. And he says, I really wish she'd stop treating me like a kid. The way that she says it in Japanese, it's almost like it's uh, an idiom. She mm. says, shusei barai, like, uh, like pay once you've made it, as if it's that's its own saying, you know, mm. Mm. which is interesting. I wonder if there's a, if we have anything like that. Mm. Um I heard uh, there's a saying that I didn't know that, uh, oh my gosh, and now I've forgotten it, so (laughs) how useless am I? It's like when you give somebody their first opportunities, their first chances to, you know, or whatever they need to make make their next step up, and uh, when I was staying with my aunt and uncle, that's what they called it, and I can't remember what it was, something like your... Oh, I can't remember. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. By the way, I don't know if it's picking up or I might be able to edit it out, but uh, listeners might hear the sound of snow being shoveled. Uh, I hear. I heard it. Yeah. Heard it. Uh, yeah. It's on. It, we're recording this on February fifth, twenty twenty four, and we just had snow in Tokyo. Actually, I think it's still coming down. Um, school is probably going to start late tomorrow for me. Mm. So. And I, I just took a nice walk outside this morning. <laughs> it was wet. It was wet, but it was not that cold. Okay, so Mustang goes through a tunnel into another room underground, I guess. And Hawkeye and Fury and Breda and Black Hayate are in this room. And Breda's saying, you're late, Colonel. We were going to leave without you, sir. Um, which I don't know that that might, it might, is it harsher in Japanese? Cause Mustang says it's strange how your verbal abuse sounds so comforting right now, but you're late Colonel. We were going to leave without you, sir. It doesn't sound like verbal abuse to me. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, it sounds like he's kidding anyway. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's actually, you know, I think that's just Mustang. Being Mustang. <laughs> uh, any, I guess, any uh, kind of, what's the opposite of a compliment? <laughs> any complaint sounds like a huge complaint. I don't know. Oh, I wanted to ask you about about the last panel on this page, uh, mm-hmm. where Mustang calls Black Hayate a pooch. But I wondered what the Japanese word was there. Like, does he say like wanchan or something, or or just inu? Yeah. He just says yatsu. Yatsu. Okay. Yeah, like a dude, or you know, like we would <laughs> use dude, like a guy, or you know. Okay. Uh, he's just saying it's a he's a it's a useful guy right here. <laughs> useful little guy is how I would have maybe translated it. Mm. Yeah, that would still work in English. It doesn't have to be a dog specific word, but that's right. And uh, the fact that his Hayate's la- eyes are like shining, kiradi or kirira. Mm. Uh, Perk in like, English. Kiriri, uh, kiriri. Yeah, it's like, wow, he really, he knows when he's getting a compliment. <laughs> yeah. Perk. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Fury says, we, we, I almost think we should give him a rank. Mustang says, all right, then how about we make him a second lieutenant? And Fury says, but that's a higher rank than me. <laughs> Which I laughed. I laughed. <laughs> I laughed out loud at that one. Hmm. Now, the... Come, so they're talking about Bradley and Selim are both missing, and uh, they seem to be thinking that Selim might have been with Bradley. Hmm. Yeah, because the president has gone to the East Area to observe the training session. Selim went with him. Hmm. Maybe he did, but he's not with. He wasn't with him on the trip back. Right. But they're. Uh, they're thinking that both of them are at the bottom of the canyon because they heard what happened and they're assuming that it was Gremmon who caused it. So Pride's appearance in Shadows, what we found out is that his appearance means that his physical body can't be far that far away, mm-hmm. right? You know, because they said, well, he must be in the woods, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because... Uh, the physical body is not that far away. And then that's the first time where we realize there's this like distance limit, mm. perhaps, mm-hmm. to pride. And so, you know, I'm wondering how mobile he is then. Hmm. Yeah, this seems like kind of a limitation. It's like he, he's not getting bars like a cell phone. <laughs> Right, like He's I mean, far away. unless there was some kind of like reason that that in that for that particular use that he had to be nearby, which I missed. I think it sound, seemed to me like he's always uh, not too far away from his shadow projection. Mm-hmm. So they're wondering with with both of them supposedly missing, is this a golden opportunity or a trap? But Breda says, even if it is a trap, we have no choice but to move forward. So they're off to, you know, they're off on their mission. And the only order Mustang can give them is don't die. Mm. So then at Central, in that boardroom where Father and Sloth had had, uh, walked in before, and all the generals are there, and uh, Olivier Armstrong... And a, and a sleeping sloth. Sleeping sloth. <laughs> sleeping while he's standing up, it looks like. Mm. Someone's saying, apparently Mustang's former subordinates have quietly begun to make their move. I'm not sure how they know that. And so Father asks, what, what will he do next? And Olivier Armstrong suggests that if, she says, if I were in a disparate situation like Colonel Mustang, I would first make sure that Mrs. Bradley was securely in my grasp. Father says, you mean take her hostage? How pointless. Uh, And sure enough, that's what they're doing. Uh, (laughs) We switch to a scene where they're uh, dragging her, I guess her driver, her bodyguards, whoever, out of her car and tying them up. And she's still in the back seat, looking really scared. Yeah, she looks like she's about to pee herself. Mm. <laughs> you know. And I assume that she has no idea about 
either Bradley or Selim's true nature. I guess she doesn't ask questions why Selim doesn't get older. (laughs) (laughs) How long has this been going on, by the way? Like this, uh, this particular, like this particular uh, iteration of Selim, I wonder, like... Mm. Because obviously she didn't give birth to him. He is adopted. Mm-hmm. But so, like, from the adoption to now, like, I wonder how much time is supposed to have been passed. Yeah. Uh, you know, it might just have been a couple of years, and maybe he's a small child. So, hmm. but who knows? Uh, so, yeah, they are asking her to come with them, and Father is saying humans are truly beyond salvation. Hmm. And I'm not sure how to interpret the look on... Armstrong's face. Her eyes are closed. She's looking solemn, kind of. Well, that's her poker face, isn't it? Like, that's her. Well, probably. That's her face yeah. always yeah. when she's in these meetings, mm-hmm. you know? Because uh, she can't give anything away. She can't really react strongly, like in an emotional way, because this father character doesn't react to that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's playing it super cool. So then we cut to where we left off at the end of the last chapter, uh, Lanfan fighting it out with Gluttony, and he's in the process of losing a hand uh, and uh, bleeding from other areas of his body. Um, and of course he can regenerate himself because, you know, she keeps stabbing him in ways that would kill a normal human, uh, and he's healing. Yeah. But apparently like there are some kind of like, you know, limits as far as like how much damage they can take in a short period of time, Mm -hmm. you know, like we don't have, I mean, we just know like with envy that you know he had his limits uh gluttony's limits seem to be very high but like later in the chapter when uh he's asked how many times have you died <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know i wonder if these instances count <laughs> as mm. is it like a cat with nine lives <laughs> exactly like is it you know is it the the number of times he would have died if he had normal a normal body or mm. you know i mean we th- we thought that he had died some chapters ago it sort mm. of appeared that he was done for but but he's back here uh and lean slash greed is also getting into the fight uh punching gluttony and he just wants to eat them yeah, Gluttony's having to hold his face together after Lanfan splits it in half, and then Greed punches it right out of whack. <laughs> hmm. And we see a panel of Greed talking, and he's really happy at uh, Lanfan's power. He says, I would have never guessed that you had a woman like that hidden away. So I, th- I think it's fair to say that this is lean fighting here, not uh, Greed. Right. Fair to say, yeah. He says, I guess I'm, how do you say, full of surprises, and he kicks gluttony. Oh, in in, in Japanese, he just says, thank you for that, and kicks. Ah. <laughs> uh, kicks and, on the last beat. Soriado mo, and kicks him. And because uh, he's he has mastered the dragon's pulse, he can know where gluttony is in the dark. Hmm. And I guess Lanfan can too. And then uh, behind Darius, Mr. Gordy, uh, and Ed, uh, a mask suddenly appears, and it's Fu, who we haven't seen in quite a while. Whenever I see Fu, you know, because I think it's because of the the headband. I always think about Snake from Metal Gear Solid for some <laughs> reason, you know? Just like his his armor... Plus the the headband just reminds me of Snake from Metal Gear Solid. The old, I only played the original PlayStation 1 version, but that was such a good game. Hmm. That was like one of the first, you don't go out and just kill everybody with a big old machine gun. You sneak around and, Hmm. you know, everything's, the number one thing is not to get caught. (laughs) Hmm. 
not to be spotted. So that was the first kind of slinking around game. Maybe not the first, but definitely one of the big early ones. So Fu found them because he could detect a couple of large energy sources, which were greed and gluttony. And But he feels another presence in the town that's much stronger. And Darius says, that's probably Ed's dad. Ed says, oh, yeah, him. <laughs> that guy. But he tells uh, Fu that he's not his father isn't a threat. He's not human, but he's not a threat. Um, so as there, Ed is talking with Fu about Lanfan's automail, and he realizes that she's only been she finished rehabilitation in only six months. Mm. Uh, so she, there's no way she could be fit for a battle like this so soon after the operation. And <laughs> he's counting up to three, which is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three, yeah, uh, and. What happens here? She the sound effect is wince as something is happening here. And it looks like there's a sword there, but that's not how gluttony would be fighting. What are you talking about? Where's the wince? Oh, that's that's her shooting the blade out of her arm, isn't it? Uh I guess so, yeah. Or yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I don't know. So, because that, you're right, it doesn't quite... It seems to be bent, like it's a sword or something, but... So, it is a sword, like it's, it's like the, the blade that she has in her arm, I think, but mm. it's like uh, cutting through his head. Maybe she's taken a little damage. Well, yeah, I mean, I felt like this panel was supposed to be showing us that Ed was right, that she's not really fit for battle yet. Okay, so she's, yeah, so some of her automail is, like, maybe breaking apart a little bit. Like, there's little bit of pieces Mm. flying from her wrist area. And I think that's just her sword. And it, I mean, it looks to us like the sword is moving or something, but I don't think that's what, Mm. I think what the focus is supposed to be on the little parts flying from her wrist with a little where the flash kind of thing is yes, by yes. her wrist yeah so she pulls out a bomb and throws it at gluttony uh, and it goes off and it throws what, what's the name of the what's the what's the sound effect of her pulling the pin click okay you guess what it is in japanese Pudiku. pin pin <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, it's plick, and then the next panel, it's pof, and then the explosion is boom. It's pong in Japanese. It's ping pong. Almost. Oh, <laughs> yeah, like, okay. Plick, pof. And then ping pong, don. <laughs> and, of course, you know, the explosion is so huge, everybody's affected, right? Right, yeah. Ed and Darius are thrown. Uh, so this is sometimes, I'm playing Baldur's Gate three and it you know it's based on the dungeons and dragons system and the the some of the best weapons you have are huge explosion type things like fireball right but if your guys are in the blast zone sometimes you have to think yeah maybe they can take it (laughs) (laughs) maybe they can take it uh because we really need to get rid of several enemies at once (laughs) so everybody just suffer for a sec, you know? You like cheap comic books, right? Well, I'm Professor Allen, and I talk about cheap comic books on the Quarterbin Podcast. In every episode, I'll dissect a single comic from my collection, as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for the issue. Forget about $4 new comics that you can read in four minutes, or crossover events that can cost 100 bucks to collect. Join me in the quarter bin, where even bad comics are a bargain, and good ones are a steal. The Quarter Bin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search Relatively Geeky or Quarter Bin Podcast in iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny.
So because this bomb kind of made him think of it, Ed's wondering what other kinds of bombs uh, they have. And Fu says, I have lots of different ones, tear gas, flash bombs, flares. Uh, and Ed notices that the lights in the slums are coming back on, which is bad news because it means more shadows for pride. Right. And that means Lion Dude Heinkel is in trouble. Right. Yeah, he's he's fighting Selim. And he's thinking, give me a break. It doesn't attack, but it doesn't die either. Mm. Talking about Selim. Heinkel notices the lights are coming back on. And he grabs Selim here and has him on the ground. And then some of the townspeople come by with a lantern saying, I heard noises. Is everything all right? Huh? What? Whoa, that child is being attacked. And they don't really have a chance to do anything about it because then all the pride eyes are coming up from behind Selim's head. And then they turn into the pointy. I don't, I never know what terms to call these things, but the pointy black things and they cut Heinkel well, in several places. Pointy black blades, I suppose. So in the last episode or perhaps episode before that, I said how I thought perhaps these uh, blades were more like cones possibly. And it was just, they're so black that you can't see any, mm-hmm. uh, you mm-hmm. can't see any depth, but obviously when you see the, the, the damage that these are more like thin blades, like mm. the damage that they're causing. So, so that theory blown. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And, uh, pride also causes the lantern to be dropped, knocks it out of the guy's hand and it causes a fire. Yeah. And Selim says, it's so nice to be back in the light and sound effect is fixa fixa. Hmm. I don't which, not even show, not show even me which panel. I'm not even sure what sound that's supposed to be. Fixa. Oh, you know what it is, hmm. and you're right. That is a weird. He's doing the old Bruce Lee crack crack of the neck. Oh, like I'm about to kick some butt. <laughs> move. Hmm. And that's what he does here. He says goodbye, Mister Chimera, and he sends a blade shooting out towards Heinkel. But then Ed deflects it. Uh, and we learn, we learn something else. Hmm. That was a close call, old man. Who would have guessed that a little kid like this could be a homunculus? You really had me fooled, Selim. And then Selim tries to act, you know, does the little kid act? What's the matter? Don't <laughs> you trust me anymore? Grin. Oh, Mr. Half-Pite Alchemist. <laughs> <laughs> and Ed's sound effect is irk, irk, and you know veins bulging all over his face. Now, if you're a kid, you do not use half pint. You know, it's <laughs> large people that use half pint. Yeah, sell you know them smaller mean? than him. <laughs> so you would say, you know, you you could use almost any other regular version <laughs> of small would have worked better here. Mm-hmm. But Selim says, you'll always be my role model. And he again tries to stab Ed, but he deflects it and says, you got to do better than that. And so they fight each other for a while, and Ed's wondering, why can't I cut him? And for some reason, he <laughs> audibly no, no, points no. out. It's not Ed. Pride is wondering, oh, why can't I Oh, that's Pride's I, I font. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah, you can see the the tiny balloon uh, little circles. Thought right, 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 balloon right. Circles. Yeah. yeah, I mean the placement of the balloon made me think it was Ed, but yeah, the right. the font and the shape of the balloon, it's uh, Selim, and so that's. But he's thinking that, but uh, Ed says audibly, "It's a good thing I still have on the North Area model auto mail. It's reinforced with carbon fiber, so it's lighter and stronger than steel." And Selim says, carbon hardened, are you trying to imitate greed? See, this I don't get. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't tell the bad guy yeah, what you're, how you're... <laughs> kind of a strange thing to say out loud. Yeah. Oh, you're wondering about my secrets? Okay. <laughs> Here's my secret. Calgon. No, that's something else. 
That, that's a that's reaching way back in the history of American TV commercials. Calgon, take me away. So I didn't. I don't know the secret one as much as I know the the other. Oh, Calgon the, it's ad. The, the ancient Chinese secret ad. That's Palmolive. That's Palmolive. Mm, well, I think because, yeah, I'm because it was of, washing. It was dishwashing. Well, liquid. I'm thinking of a different ancient Chinese secret, I guess, because it was it was a laundry detergent. Oh, no, no, no. You are right, but. Calgon is not a laundry detergent. Calgon is like um, a bath. Okay. Well, um, my memory's gotten a little garbled. <laughs> but I, I know guess. what you're talking. Now I know what you're talking about. There is a like ancient Chinese secret, and then, uh, and then the Chinese uh, guy at who's running the laundry. His wife comes out. It's like, no, we're just using. Uh, I want to say hmm. it's not no. Tide, but it's one of those old. No, it it is Calgon. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, hush my mouth. <laughs> okay. No, I guess my memory's not so garbled. Okay. Because I was thinking, because I know Calgon as the. Uh, well, I mean, you know, they probably make various products, or or did in the seventies and eighties. I guess so. Naturally, this ad is on YouTube. It advocated adding Calgon water softener to laundry detergent. We need more Calgon. Ancient Chinese secret, huh? Okay, I'm sure our listeners really want to know about ancient TV I commercials. I can just see them right now. They're rushing yeah. to Wikipedia. Yeah. I need to know all about Calgon right now. Yeah. Ancient Chinese TV commercials. Oh. That's right. Uh, <laughs> so Pride is desperate, and he decides he needs to take over Al's armor again, and or still, or use it to fight Ed. And Ed says, I've been waiting for you to do that. What what does Ed say in Japanese? Probably mataze, but let me see. Yeah, I was thinking uh, matemashita or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, sochi ni hairu no mataze. Like, I've been matte waiting ze. for... I think what he means is I've been waiting for him to do that. It could be you, but I mean... Well, yeah, I think he's... You think, well, at least in the English, it looks like he's talking to pride. I've been waiting for you to do that. And then he says, old man Fu, and Fu tosses a flash bomb. Um, so it's it works kind of just as well or better than making everything dark, making everything light, kind of fries the pride in the armor, because it's explained later, I think it's separate from Selim, and that makes it more vulnerable. Right. Uh, and so pride leaves the armor. Well, I guess, I mean, even more than more vulnerable, it like by cutting it off from pride, it's like it, it disappears. It dies off mm -hmm. is what it looks like. Cause it's the, the shadow itself is dissolving and like fading into mist. Yeah. The sound effect is sizzle. Zara, zara, zara. Uh, and yeah, it's zara 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 in Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Darius says, are you sure? How do you know he's not still being controlled by pride? Ed says, a homunculus's limbs dissipate if they're not connected to the body. By pulling mm -hmm. Al out of the shadows, any part of pride that was inside Al is gone. Mm -hmm. uh, and pride is still threatening. You will not escape me. So Ed throws another flash bomb. Uh that kind of blinds him. Uh, and then Selim says, well done. And I always like that when the villain compliments the hero on his attack. <laughs> I love that too. I love that too. Although usually then the next thing they do is throw a bigger attack back at the hero. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of my favorite lines, there, there was a animated uh, show called Clerks based on the 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 Kevin Smith black and white indie movie that he made. They had Clerks the series. It was an animated show and the enemy was played by Alec Baldwin, the bad guy. Mm. And he was and he says, "Well played, Clerks." Like that. <laughs> and it's just like one of my favorite lines <laughs> from that show because it wasn't even they didn't even really do that big of a deal, but it's like <laughs> you know. I thought that was hilarious. Gluttony is complaining. It's not fair that mean girl and greed can find me in the dark. And Selim realizes uh, that the Xing warrior Bradley was talking about can sense the presence of homunculi. 
Yeah, so then Selim says, how many times have you died so far to Gluttony? And then Gluttony says, lots of times, I think. Yeah, and then he gets, well, before he says that, he gets an idea, right? He looks at mm-hmm. Lynn slash Greed and yeah, he says, greed. oh, Greed, greed you took over the prince's body in order to use that ability. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Isselin says to Gluttony, you're looking rather weak, and I've taken quite a beating myself. At this rate, they might destroy us. And Gluttony says, huh? No way. I'll just have Father fix me up again. And Pride stops talking, and the sound effect, zoo, 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 zoo. Uh, (laughs) And Gluttony realizes what's happening. He says, don't do it, Pride. But Pride is licking his lips like (laughs) Pekochan. (laughs) <laughs> like, I hungry. I hungry. Um, so, for our listeners who don't know, Pekochan is the mascot of the Fujia cake shops, and she's always got a tongue, tongue sticking out of her mouth and licking her upper lip. Now, what most people don't know about Pekochan, okay, she's a really popular character here. Like, almost every Fujia has a little yeah, bit of Pekochan She's been statue around in front. for decades and decades. Yeah, but she was a a mascot on a U.S. brand of citrus juice, particularly orange juice. Both her and her brother were designed and created in America for something completely different, and the design was stolen and used <laughs> for pickle John. If you look it up, it's really it's really mm. interesting. Like yeah, the, you you wonder how many things exist now that were taken when. You know, when copyright wasn't that easily enforceable, like yeah, way back in, when? In like just after the war, I suppose, in Japan. You know, that since you bring that up, I realize that I've also seen the, I think it's Sunbeam Bread Girl, who mm-hmm. seems to have also been borrowed. I've seen her on trucks that are not Sunbeam. Right, right. I wondered if there was a connection, but maybe, yeah. It's, yeah, maybe it might be just, just another stolen mascot. It's possible. Like here, you can still see on older shops, you can still see like representations of Mickey and Donald and other characters. They're just, you know, they just used them (laughs) for their their cafe or their hair salon or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I, I think once you've had them on your shop for 30 years and if nobody complains, I guess, you know, (laughs) I don't know. Uh, anyway, so yes, uh, Selim is hungry, and then the next panel we, we next page we have a huge panel of Pride biting Gluttony in half, and Gluttony says, "No, don't eat me. It hurts. Help me, lust." And then he fizzes out. Ironic, right? <laughs> he gets eaten. <laughs> yeah, he's the E.T. rather than the eater. Lean says it ate its own kin. And, of course, yeah, now, just like what Selim was noticing about the combination of greed and lean, uh, he can now smell, he says, now I can smell all of you very well, though this gift of smell comes with quite an appetite. No matter, I'll feed it soon enough. He also, you know, we have to assume that he somehow also, like, ingested the stone right the philosopher's stone perhaps of gluttony mm-hmm. yeah that would be logical so he, he must have cut it right cut him right where he could get that you know because he, he cut him in half but you know he actually chomped him chomped him in half so mm-hmm. it's possible that he just perfectly aimed so that he could get the stone yeah i was looking at that page here but i i thought that the stone might appear but i don't see it anywhere or hmm it's not obvious yeah i don't think they it's for me it's just him dissolving seems to mean Mm -hmm. you know and so then he selim turns and says hmm that smell it could only be you hohenheim and hohenheim is there next to al and that's the end of the chapter and the end of the volume, except we got back matter, of course. Yeah. So let's go ahead and do the sound effect first before we shift to back matter. All right. Well, do you have one in mind? I haven't decided I yet. I, I think I like the, uh, the, the grenade pin B 
being pulled <laughs> in, is ping in, in Japanese, <laughs> which would also be the Japanese for the pin of a grenade because they also say <laughs> okay so. so it works as a pun in japanese yeah without having to be a cross-linguistic pun right <sighs> well there's a ton of sound effects in this chapter and a lot of them are pretty original um yeah i don't think i can go with fix a fix a because it's not clear enough <laughs> what it is yeah. i think i think you're right about that he's kind of cracking his neck but I guess I'm going to go with, so after the first flash bomb and pride is separate from the armor, uh, and where he's saying, you will not escape me. The sound effect is zoop. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So that's a pretty good effect. That's pretty good sound. I'll go with zoop. Zoop. Zoop is pretty. Zoop is pretty. Yeah, it's just zwa. So yeah, zoop is pretty cool. <laughs> All right. So like I said, lots of back matter this time. The most we've had in a while, I think. So we've got we've got a little right. mm-hmm. sketch of the Edmobile. <laughs> oh it's yeah. It's called Edward Maha. The Edward Mach. The Edward Mach. Yeah. Edward like, Mach uh, model. Yeah. So it's, you it's know, going to be kind of like this. Really ugly. <laughs> Bumper of cruelty. I'm the boss spoiler. Big winter tires. Lots of pipes in the back. Hooligan muffler. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is the the car that he designed some chapters back with his alchemy. I I missed that completely. Didn't notice it there. The the white on black pages, I tend to jump over. Yeah. And then we have the the back omake, the back matter, mm-hmm. which is surrounded by Pride's little. Yeah, so we didn't mention it, um, but uh, well, kind of did. Where he said uh, that smell, it could only be you, Hohenheim. I guess we did mention it. So this is yeah. Im- immediately, a few pages later, a parody of that. Uh, that smell, it could only be you, Ho, and then Darius farts. <laughs> and and Selim says, ah, it stinks. Squirm, squirm. <laughs> and the comment at the bottom, nice one, Mr. Gordy. Right. All right. And then we've got some of the usual four panel comics. Uh, so Ed, Al, Mechan, and Xiaomei are sitting like on a hill looking at clouds and birds and stuff, which I don't know where that would fit in the continuity. Uh, but, uh, she's saying, I wish I could be a bird. And Ed says a bird. That's lame. If you were a bird, you'd have flimsy hollow bones and your brain would be the size of a pea. Not to mention the fact that you would be constantly crapping in midair to keep your weight down. Why would you want to be an animal like that? And she's turned all white with some lines over her. What does that indicate exactly? Just, you know, right? Like donbiki. In Japanese, where you're like totally turned off or totally like you know, mm. you've gone cold, <laughs> you know, uh, emotionally, your reaction is you've you've yeah. gone cold. And uh, she says, Mr. Edward, you're not very popular with girls, are you? He says, That's ridiculous. How could an intellectual like me not be popular? And Al is looking at him, and there's a caption next to him, Eyes of Pity. <laughs> So that's what he's he's saying. She, I mean, he's referring to. Oh uh, no, no. So that's his. It, I don't know if he's saying that or if or thinking he's feeling it. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not a word balloon, so it's a little hard to tell. But yeah. I don't. I don't think he's saying it out loud. So that one was called freedom. Uh, the yeah. next one is the great get popular plan, and it's Alex Armstrong flexing his muscles, shirt off. When it comes to being popular, it's more about muscles than brains. Ed says, muscles, huh? Okay. And then he starts doing training to build up the lock of hair that's always sticking up, his like antenna, uh, <laughs> lifting a barbell with it and doing some kind of, I don't know, like chin-ups, except it's like, yeah, I don't know, hair-ups. Yeah, lifting his, his whole, whole body. Yeah, lifting, lifting his, his whole, whole, body. whole body with the antenna. 
And then he says, with my charm and these muscles, I'll be twice as popular. I'm practically oozing masculinity from my pores. And Winry says, creepy. Yeah, she says, kimoi, like almost okay. like gross. Yeah, that works. <laughs> like, gross. Uh, then Hawkeye's homecoming. Hawkeye comes home and it's dark in her apartment. And she can see pride in there, all the eyes and teeth. And she's frozen for a couple panels and nothing's changing. And then she realizes that the eyes are stickers. <laughs> <laughs> I, it took me a second. Oh, it took me a while. Like, like right now, rereading it, I get it. It's like, basically, he's doing this because he's off fighting. <laughs> <laughs> but he wants her to think that he's still keeping an eye on her, right? Mm. <laughs> because he's yeah. actually off fighting <laughs> the other guys, she's right? Peel- yeah, she's peeling an eye off of the floor. She says, hey, these are stickers, that little brat. Yeah. Uh, and then we have one called Mugger. And a, a guy with a surgical mask over his face, or uh, maybe it's a COVID-19 mask. It's too early for that. He's holding a knife on Hohenheim. Says, hey, old man, give me all your valuable medals. And Hohenheim's looking around for metal stuff, and he grabs Ed and Al. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then in the last panel, I'm not quite following this. Al has a club, and Hohenheim's jumping up and down, sobbing. uh, And Al says, come on, jump. And as he as Hohenheim's jumping up and down, his, he's got jingling from his pockets. And Ed oh, says, now I get it. hey, you do have money. Hurry up and give it to the mugger. And okay. the mugger says, let him go. He's had enough. <laughs> okay. So he's basically like, okay, jump up and down. And so they can hear the change. Like, see, you've got money. You've got metal in your pockets. Okay. Now, I, I didn't get it either. Now I get it. Uh, and that, cause I thought for a second, maybe he's using the club, like to swing under his legs, like dance boy, dance. <laughs> like you have in some of the movies. Um, a couple more on the next page, extreme homunculus. So we've got Bradley envy and sloth and Bradley is reading this manga. That's at least that's what it is in English. It's gone, gone. Of course. It's gone, gone. Yeah. In it's Japanese, the monthly, the monthly gone, gone. Uh, he says, geez, now that gluttony and lust are gone, our combat strength has been severely weakened. Let's have Father create a new sibling for us. So Father says, hmm, if I combine the attributes of lust and gluttony, I might be able to create something amazing. I'll give it a try. And what we get is basically gluttony in a dress, a female <laughs> gluttony. Uh, and the other three, oh, their jaws drop and they're saying, Amazing! <laughs> So it's like hit points, 999, magic points, 999. Okay, that's what that is. I didn't get and that. And then measurements, 999, mm. 999, 999, like bust, bust waist, waist, hips, 999999999. <laughs> Which is hilarious. You know, Doraemon's measurements are supposed to all be 100 centimeters. Oh, okay. He's supposed to be 100 centimeters tall, but also 100 centimeters diameter. Mm. <laughs> It looks taller than wide, I think, but yeah, okay. Uh, hero for a day, and Al is wearing a sash around him that s- says that hero for a day. I meant, I'm sorry, that would be circumference, not diameter. Circumference, yeah. So he would be thinner than you know. Anyway, paying late night visits to a single lady who's just gotten out of the bath. It's when when he visited. Uh, Hawkeye, and there's a reference here. It says volumes 1415. He says, good evening. She says, hello, would you like some tea? Then next panel, Winry, uh, the caption is exciting accidental encounters with childhood friends. And she says, eek, stop staring at me. He says, oh, sorry about that. This is supposedly volume 21. I don't think that's good. It's not staring. It's like, what are you looking at? (laughs) You know, it's not the same as Hmm. stop staring. You know what I mean? Okay. He says, it's good to be the hero. Nonstop sexy times. Like, really? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure I agree with that translation. I don't know what it is in Japanese, but Ed is there saying, it's not all sexy times. There's also stuff like this. And he's got that pipe run through him. And it says volume... 19. 19. There's no mention of sexy times, but 
it just says it's not it would be nice to be the main character very nice and he's like oof, he's like breathing steam through his uh-huh. mouth so it's like uh obviously in relation to the panels above yeah it's you know uh coming across the opposite sex but i mean i think like to say it clearly like that <laughs> sexy times kind of goes against the uh the you know, it's like what a a immature fourteen year old would think of <laughs> as like. Wouldn't it be great to you know to talk to a girl? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not the same thing as sexy times, but right. Mm. Then there's the uh, the short little biographical autobiographical yeah. cowshed diaries. Yeah, which I thought was kind of interesting because we talked about it before like i want to know what books are on her shelf i remember i said that because mm-hmm. i want to know what what reference books she used to do the research for this and so this tells the story of her going to a used bookstore of course she's and, Arakawa. Uh, right right and uh sh- she's talking to the owner of the used bookstore and uh he said oh thanks for coming again and please make out my Receipt so I can use it, you know, for expenses, work mm-hmm. expenses to Arakawa. And he says, Arakawa, oh yeah, you're the you're the full metal alchemist uh creator, right? And she's like, What? What? <laughs> and she said and he's like, Well, you know, when I told my friend like there's this customer, Arakawa, who's always who's borrowing books like this and this and this, and the friend said, Oh, that has to be <laughs> That has to be well, Hiromu he, Arakawa. Yeah, the salesman knew her last name was Arakawa. So, yeah, his friend re- says that. And then he said, isn't that the person who does full metal? So you're a manga artist. Now it makes sense. Yeah, because of the books that she was getting. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, like stuff about alchemy, I suppose. and Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she says, for the owner of a bookstore that doesn't carry any manga, you know a lot about it. I never would have thought that the random things I buy and my last name would blow my cover. <laughs> Special thanks with no cartoon accompanying it because there's no room on the page. And the next issue, next volume, add a couple pages. Oh, that reminds me here because it, it's showing that view of the back of uh, Ed's red coat. I meant, I meant to uh, mention another message from Memory Echo uh, where we had been talking about, like, where did the red coat come from? Uh, and she says the red coat symbolizes his apprenticeship with Izu- Izumi Curtis. She has mm. that f- flame cross tattoo, and so do her pupils. So, okay, so that's a mark of something associated with Izumi Curtis. Mm. Okay. I wonder how many people. I wonder how many people in the world have that as a tattoo now. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if it was quite a few. Yeah, quite you possibly. Know. A lot of manga fans. So or anime on fans. The, so on the on the spine we've mm. got the only the only person or unperson to bite the dust was Gluttony, it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, Gluttony is going to heaven for some reason. And then we have uh we have the okay. cartoon. Yeah, I've got that right here. It's on the back of the Japanese edition, but inside the English one. Uh, a day in the life of father. And father is in bed with a nightcap on. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, tomorrow's the day of reckoning. I'm so excited, I can't sleep. Next day, and we see a view of the sky with birds flying by. And then in the last panel, he's looking out the window and says, I overslept. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And then you have then you have Al right. on the background, except he's in full samurai armor regalia. And <laughs> what do they? How do they translate this in English? That's right. I make this look good. Oh, okay. It's it's more like igaito iwaka nai. It's like, huh? Surprisingly, it this isn't weird. It, like surprisingly, <laughs> this actually. Yeah, he's, looks pretty he good. seems to be wearing this Japanese armor over his European armor because it's still the normal armor head. Right. 
Um, I'm not sure what to say about the arms. Is that is that his usual arms? No, that those are definitely kote, like like Japanese uh, style. Yeah. Uh, so, but so at least it's the, the helmet. helmet. Yeah. yeah. But what's interesting about this, right, is that you and I often mention how because of the way people act and the things that we see in the background, et cetera, that it's obvious that, you know, that a lot of things are Japanese without meaning to be, you know. <laughs> and so uh, the fact that it doesn't, it's not that strange is, you know, kind of, is kind of a unintended comment on <laughs> how a lot of these things would fit in a Japanese uh, idiom or, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. So that's the end of volume 21. And and we have six to go. Yeah. And aren't we glad that Al is finally purged hmm. <laughs> of pride because yeah. I was like, couldn't breathe. Cause you know, I was reminded of that when I looked at the cover, like, Oh no, what's going to happen? How long is he going to be stuck like that? Yeah. So. Hmm. Okay. So don't forget the law of equivalent exchange, which says you get what you get when you get what you pay for. <laughs> okay. Something <laughs> like that. All right. See you next time. See you next time. Our theme is Winter Fiend by Cryosyncope. You can follow us on Twitter at LOEE Podcast or email us at LOEE Podcast at DeconstructingComics.com. Support our show on Patreon at patreon.com slash deconcomics. See you in two weeks. The Law of Equivalent Exchange is a production of DeconstructingComics.com.